Jesus and teaching them of his grace. I love sports, but quickly figured out that I was not going to excel because I was too small and very, very slow. So I determined that the only way for me to change my circumstances was through education. I was accepted at Texas Tech University, but found college to be very, a very difficult environment during my freshman year. After my first semester, I came home and attended a local community college for the next two semesters. I returned to Texas Tech in the spring of my sophomore year with a desire to be more involved with the church and with the Christian faith. I grew a lot spiritually during my last two undergraduate years. I eventually graduated from Texas Tech and was accepted Texas Tech School of Law. During law school, I continued to grow spiritually. While in law school, I became very outspoken concerning my growing Christian faith and the conflict with the culture. My parents did not resolve conflict well. The only time we knew there would be peace at home was when my dad was traveling. This environment caused me to shrink back and run from conflict. From elementary school through high school, we spent weekends at our farm in East Texas. My dad, with his military background, used that opportunity to instill in my brothers and me a hard work ethic. This would later lead to struggling with being performance-driven and seeking approval of man. Throughout my dating experiences, I took pride which is never a good thing, in not crossing the line. However, I dated in a way that did not honor the Lord. I, find my, I found myself looking for affirmation through boyfriends and not looking to the Lord for my security and self-worth. This stemmed from past hurts as a young kid. I'm thankful for Regen, our 12-step recovery ministry at Watermark, where this came to the surface and through God's grace um, was able to forgive those who caused the hurt. These hurts from my childhood played a part in the way I had dated and led to issues in our marriage, specifically in my lack of desire for physical intimacy. It was so sweet to learn through Reengage that physical intimacy is actually a form of worship and pleases God. After Karen answered my newspaper ad <laughs> to lease a condominium, I had the opportunity to meet her family on three lease showings. I was very attracted to her and her family. I never thought I would meet my wife from a newspaper ad. It was only by the grace of God that we ever met at all. There's more to that story, but we don't have time. Um, after meeting Karen and her family, I saw in Karen a godly woman who feared the Lord. Proverbs 31, 30 through 31 says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and that her works bring her praise at the city gate. It didn't take me long to realize Karen was a Proverbs 31 woman. She had compassion and love for people, and she was a whole lot of fun, which I was not. <laughs> I saw this laughing over here from my kids. Sorry. I was out of script. Sorry about that. I pursued Karen after I collected my lease commission for the condo I leased for a friend, but she wasn't interested. I continued to pursue her despite repeated rejection and was finally able to define the relationship after an ice cream outing at Brahms. About a year later, I proposed and we were married nine months later. Our premarital counseling consisted of a weekend away with the pastor and his wife. We did not see the elephant in the room and the impending conflicts that were to come. 
Charles and I married after a rocky dating period. While dating, I was very selfish with my time. I was living for Karen and her schedule and honestly not ready to give up my freedom. When Charles asked me to marry him, I cried. I knew it was God's will for me. (laughs) Remember, I was selfish, not willing to give up my time. Anyhow. She did cry. I I knew it was God's will for me. There was no doubt, yet I knew that meant dying to self and being obedient to the Lord, and I'm so thankful I did. We married, and 17 months later, had our first daughter, Brittany. 15 months after Brittany, we had our second daughter, Blair. And two years later, our twins, Jennifer and John, arrived. We had a pack of kids in a hurry. I don't remember much about this time. (laughs) With four babies, three and under, it was a successful day if they all got a bath, their hair brushed, clothes on, fed, and back in bed with teeth brushed before nighttime. That time was so stressful for our marriage. Charles was working 12 to 14 hours a day, so the kids and I rarely saw him. We had made some pretty dumb financial decisions, which brought on extra burdens we could hardly bear. I became the dripping faucet when he was home. I didn't plan to have four babies so soon and then to parent them without a husband. A few months after Brittany was born, my granddad died. And 10 months after Blair was born, my dad passed away as well. I began to resent the Lord and any man that I was close to. I felt like they were all abandoning me. Proverbs 3.26 says, The Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. He penetrated my hard heart and softened it, which made me know that he is only the father, the only father that I need. I was so focused on my situations that I didn't realize the pressure Charles had at the office and at home. I look back and am surprised um, that he wanted to come home at all. I wasn't exactly pleasant to be around. My heart was growing angry and bitter towards him. I started to not only dislike him, I developed a hatred in my heart towards him. The four or five hours he was home, all we did was arguing about, argue about spending money. Remember, I hated conflict, so the arguing was only one way in one direction, and that was at me. Um, I would mentally check out, shut down, and run for safety. Very quickly into the marriage, I realized that we were very different and that we had come from very, very different families of origin. Uh, quickly, we began to have conflict over finances and money. And when the economy downturned and the law firm that I was working with experienced a contraction in the legal services market, the lack of money became a very big area of conflict for us. Proverbs 22.7 says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. We had become slaves to our lenders. All I could do was to think about how much harder to work in order to make more money. But that took me away from Karen and the kids. Our credit card debt was completely out of control. And at one point, we owed over $120,000 in credit card debt. We were struggling just to make the minimum payments. The law firm business did not improve, and I was yoked to the performance of a lot of other people over whom I had no control. Eventually, the home that we built while engaged was foreclosed on, and the debt and the money problems just continued. This created a tremendous stress in our marriage and on our relationship. It was hard for us to have a calm conversation and any kind of intimacy because of the financial stress that we were facing. I was not a good money manager at the time. 
I did not plan appropriately and was not sensitive enough to Karen and her needs. At this point, I finally decided to leave the law firm and to open my own law practice. As it turned out, that was the best decision that we could have made to help our marriage and our family. It wasn't until a two and a half week trip to India when the kids were four, three, and a year and a half did I get away from our situation long enough to see where I was causing a lot of the problem. During this trip to India with our pastor and his wife, I sought counseling. Um, I came home and prayed that God would um, help me change my heart. I remember crying out to God in the shower to forgive me and to help me start liking Charles again. I then made a choice to respect him, pray to begin to love him, and choose to serve him. I did this expecting no change from him. It was a decision to lay down my hurts and anger and trust God to change me. I knew Romans fourteen twelve said, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I stopped trying to make him what I wanted him to be and began to try um, to be who God called me to be. We call this our pre-India and post-India days. At this point, I began to help with all the finances. As I took on the accounting for his law firm and our household, my eyes were opened to the reason for such stress. I'm so thankful he let me into this world. Karen's trip to India was really a turning point in our marriage. Uh, I was trying to change her, and she was trying to change me. That didn't work for either one of us. We began to realize that we cannot change our spouse. Only God can change your spouse, and we were both frustrated from trying to change each other. When Karen returned from her trip, we began to work through some of our conflict issues that had arisen, primarily related to financial issues. By that time, I had left the law firm and could spend more time with the family and Karen. I had more control over the hours that I was working and the income that I was able to achieve. This helped to relieve some of the financial stress, and we eventually began to communicate better. For years, we lived parallel lives. With all our kids involved in multiple sports, we had very little time for each other. It wasn't until they were all four in college that we found ourselves as empty nesters. We came to re-engage and realized how out of whack our priorities had been. The skills we learned from our marriage in helping communicate effectively, knowing how to recognize and deal with unmet expectations, and practicing forgiveness have strengthened and blessed our marriage, and to God be the glory. Reengage to help us to refocus our marriage and to learn the basic tools that are necessary to make our marriage successful. We started to lead small groups in Reengage, and in the process of doing that, we got the opportunity to continually use the Reengage materials and steps to continue to build our marriage relationship. Ephesians 5:25 says. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing and with water to the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. I had to learn that I had to love Karen continually and more and more each day, just as Christ loved the church. And I needed to stop trying to change Karen and to control Karen. Today we are debt-free, except for, 
Except for a partial mortgage on our home, we do not have financial stress that we had in the past, and we're able to manage our time much more efficiently. My relationship with my dad has been restored, and he lives in our home with us. We are honored to care for him as he ages. Karen and I communicate better, although not perfectly, and we still have our times of conflict. But we've learned how to resolve the conflict without escalation on my part. (laughs) Those are the Bundren kids over there. As I did in the past. Get back to the script. We have more time. We have more time and excitement about studying God's word together. I'm sorry. Uh, we are actively involved in a watermark community group with these guys right here. And uh, we have great relationships within that community group. We enjoy serving together and re-engage. And we enjoy praying together for our family, for our re-engaged small group, for you guys, uh, for our country and for the ministry of Watermark Community Church. We see God's faithfulness in taking two broken people and using challenging times to teach them that he is the only one who we can look to for satisfaction and complete dependence. He has been faithful in every situation. He is the one who brings peace in our lives. In Isaiah 26, 3, Isaiah claims of the Lord, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. We have found this to be absolutely true. We are so thankful um, for our four kids who love and serve the Lord, for a family who has stuck beside us through thick and thin, and for our community group that holds us accountable. We want to encourage you guys to get honest before the Lord. What are you doing that's bringing disharmony in your marriage? God calls us to live in unity of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, Paul says, I, therefore a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I can tell you it's way better when we die to self and live for Him. When we were going through all of our conflicts and suffering from our bad financial decisions, it was hard to see um, where this would all end up. We relied on God close friends, family to help us through the difficult times. I needed to learn to stay in my circle, to work on me and my relationship with God, and I needed to stop trying to control and change Karen. Ask yourself this question. How is what you're doing working? Are you getting the results that you desire? If you're not getting the results that you desire and you continue to do the same things over and over again, that's the definition of insanity. I would recommend that you stay in your circle. There are three things that I try to focus on when I'm inside my circle. Number one, to know God, and that means daily getting into his word, to fear God, and number three, to follow his commands. When I do those three things, my circle gets better. And as my circle gets better, my marriage gets better. When I don't do those three things, my circle gets really ugly. And as a result, my relationship with Karen deteriorates. No matter what your struggle is tonight, um, it's not over. Because nothing is impossible with God if you simply focus on your circle, work on you, and work on your relationship with God by daily devoting to studying his word and prayer, fearing God, fellowshipping with people in community environment, 
And that will improve your ability and make it more easy for you to relate, communicate, and to love your spouse. Your marriage will start to become everything you envisioned it could be and that God intended it to be when he first created marriage. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Gosh, how fun is that to have your family here to watch? Pretty sweet, right? Just, and with that being said, just marriage impacts generations upon generations upon generations. And so for those of us in the room that have children, what we do under the roof and how we live our lives in front of our kids, it matters. It matters. I think the favorite thing that I heard tonight was when Karen said, I stopped trying to make him what I wanted him to be, and I began trying to be what God called me to be. And our natural bent, our natural bent is to want to try to change and fix our spouse. I bet tonight some of us are thinking, gosh, if he would just do fill in the blank. If she would just stop doing fill in the blank, then this would change and this would be different. But I think what's really happening when we do that is we're trying to make our spouse be like us. Ew. You don't need two of you under the roof. That's not what we're called to do. And so I just think with that being said, for those of us in the room that claim that we are Christians, that we say that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, he died, rose on the cross, and is alive today, and we believe that and profess that with our mouth and believe it in our hearts, then we are to live and be married radically differently. We are. We've got to live and consistent with what scripture is calling us to do. And so... If you were to go home tonight and have a progress report about your life, it would be this. We would, we would invite you to open your Bible tonight when you get home and read Colossians 3, 12 to 17. And, and we are to become who we say we are. And so Colossians 3, 12 to 17, lay it next to your life and see if that's the kind of person you are in your marriage. Man, thanks, guys. That was awesome. Hey, if tonight's your first night with us, we welcome you. And in just a moment, we're going to break and go a lot of different directions. And so for those of you that are our guests that are new, we'd ask that you come down to my right, your left, and be seated in these first couple of rows. Give us a chance to get to know you. We'll tell you a little bit more about this whole journey called Reengage and help answer any questions that you might have. For those of you that have already taken part of newcomers and you're waiting to be placed in a closed group, you're going to go to one of our four plus one open groups tonight. So we'll take a walk in a few minutes and go across the sky bridge, either room 208, 210, 211, and 212. And to our Spanish-speaking amigos in the room, you'll be headed over to room 205. Tonight, we are launching two closed groups, Team John's, yeah, and Team Slagle. So you guys received an email letting you know your room assignment. Room 10 is right out these doors and to the right. Take a left in the horseshoe area of classrooms. And then room 207 is across the sky bridge and on the second level. Hey, we are thrilled to death that you're here. Let's make tonight the best night ever pursuing oneness.